So if you think about it, it makes sense that he would be charming, confident, assured, appealing. It's not like you'd expect the devil to be this big monster with horns, right? There's a new television series on the air called Lucifer. Has anybody seen it yet? Okay. I can't speak to the continuing value of the program and whether it's going to be on the air for really all that long, but in case you haven't heard of it, the premise of the series is that Lucifer Morningstar, maybe better known as Satan, the accuser, has left his kingdom of hell, abandoning it because he was bored. He decided instead he would move to Los Angeles where there he took up the pastime of helping the Los Angeles Police Department punishing evildoers. The series portrays this fallen angel in a way that seems to be fairly in line with his style, and I think that the producers of the show did an excellent job in casting just the right person for it. He is a smooth operator. Anytime that Lucifer employs his primary supernatural ability, which here is uh, getting people to give voice to their innermost desires, well, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Whatever he's saying makes perfect sense. And after all, that's how the devil works. Nobody can ever rightly say, the devil made me do it. He doesn't have that power. What the devil can do and has done since our earliest days with Adam and Eve is to ask you questions, to invite you to reconsider your understanding of the world and your place in it. What do you want? Isn't that a good thing? Did God really say? His objective is to get you to convince yourself of the rightness of your own desires, whatever that might be. And with that as a goal, the devil's work really isn't all that much work at all. He asks us to take a distorted version of reality as the truth. He doesn't need to compel us to wrong because we think we're doing something right in that moment. The devil sounds like he knows what he's talking about because it's actually your voice that you're hearing. You and I, we sell ourselves. Why should you want God to be God when you can just pretend that you're him? The devil's goal is to have you forget your identity, who you are, whose you are. If you take a look back at today's gospel text, you'll see just that as Satan tempts Jesus out there in the wilderness. With his very first temptation, he wants Jesus to question his identity by rejecting his humanity. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Why shouldn't you eat? You haven't had anything in these 40 days, and well, what with you having become a human being and all, you need the food. People need to eat. In the second temptation, Jesus 
is called to reject his divine nature as the obedient son by worshiping one who is most definitely not God. Satan promises this flimsy facsimile of power and authority to the one to whom all power and authority and glory rightly belong. And then finally, the devil would have Jesus reject his role as the suffering servant. Prove yourself to be the Son of God, the Messiah, to all the people right now. Just step off of the temple and make them see that you are him without having to go to the cross, without all the unpleasantness that would come along with that. If the devil could just get Jesus to fall short, to take the glory offered now, the shortcut, the easy out, forgetting God's design, well, then he'd win. He'd win it all. And you and I would have no hope for a restored life with God. So out there in the wilderness, the devil gave it his best, his most charming, his most appealing attempt. How has the devil been trying to get you to forget your identity as God's beloved child? What opportunities has he taken to have you convince yourself of the rightness of your own desire? He can come at you at any time, out driving on the road in a conversation with a friend when you're alone by yourself. He would love for you to make the same choice that he tried to get Jesus to make. To take the glory now. To take that easy out forgetting God's design for your life, for your relationships. He'd love for you to believe that you are anything other than what you are. A person redeemed by Christ. In baptism, God connects you with your true identity. Baptized, you are now God's child who has been brought back from the slavery to selfishness. No matter what the world tries to tell you that you are, this is the truth that God has declared. You are ultimately a human being that God has set free from the kingdom of death and the devil. He has reconnected you with himself and made you a brother, a sister of his son. Your identity is founded in the word that God spoke at your baptism where he declared you to be his child. In that water, the Holy Spirit has connected you with the victory that Jesus won, the victory that he won in that battle against the devil in the wilderness, the victory that looked ahead to his ultimate victory on the cross. Out in the wilderness, Jesus showed the power of God's word at work. He remained faithful in his identity as the Messiah, God's son who was sent into our broken world to do what you and I could not, to live life perfectly according to God's design and instruction, not falling for the devil's charming appeal to selfish desires. Jesus, who is the word made flesh, 
brought the power of God's working word to bear against all of the devil's half-truths, all of his promises of instant glory. Rather than thinking of himself in the wilderness, Jesus thought of you. He thought of me. And he looked ahead to the cross. Because there, hanging for all the world to see, he took on your identity and my identity. And he carried them into death. Those identities that we had as enemies of God because of our sin. And he did that so that we would not have to. And on Easter morning, Jesus showed the power of God's working word again as he left the tomb behind in that resurrection that awaits each and every one of you as God's children. Jesus, who is the embodiment of God's working word, will not leave you abandoned when the devil comes to test you with his charm and confident appeal. Now today on February the 14th, I'm guessing that you all might be celebrating something other than the first Sunday in Lent. As we mark St. Valentine's Day, we look back as the church to that Valentine for whom this day was named. He was a bishop in the early church in Italy in the third century. He was arrested for his proclamation of Jesus as the Savior along with his promotion of the blessing that God gives in Christian marriage. He refused to renounce Christ, and so he was sentenced to a three-part execution of beating with clubs, stoning, and finally, decapitation. I don't think Hallmark has a card for that. (laughs) But he refused to renounce Christ looking ahead to what was to come. And I suspect that the devil was right there at his side, calling him to question his identity as a Christian, especially knowing what waited if he did not turn from it. But Jesus did not abandon Valentine, and he will not abandon you. God's working word will see you through the trials of this broken world. Do not neglect it. Especially as you journey through these 40 days of Lent, take time as we often pray to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the scriptures. Whether you live with others at your home or you have it all to yourself, take time with all those there to each week commit a passage of scripture to memory. Whether it be a passage from the devotional you're reading through, one of the ones that we might have available out there in the narthex, one that maybe you have of your own. Maybe it's a scripture passage that comes from the worship bulletin each week as we gather on the Sundays of this season. Don't do it just to memorize a bunch of words, but rather to let God's working word work in you. Because as it works, you will live out your identity as God's child. Live it out in love and service towards the people who are around you. God's active word will stand against the devil's temptations to selfishness and sin. God's working word brings life and a restored relationship with God. 
After today's service, take your bulletin and read through some of those passages we had earlier in the service. Psalm 91, Romans 10. Here again, the power of God's word to deliver his people. Remember the identity that God has given to you as his child in the waters of holy baptism. Because God has given and continues to give everything that you need to journey through the 40 days of Lent and all the days beyond. We hear in James chapter 4, resist the devil and he will flee from you. No matter how charming he is. Amen.